Happy Thanksgiving. I know it's Thanksgiving, but we are still working here on the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. We hungry. In this episode, we are going to do part two. Yeah, we are hungry. <laughs> we are hungry. We're hungry, <laughs> hungry for some for some turkey. In this episode, we are going to do part two of the NBL prospects. If you haven't been following, Australia has quite a few guys that could be selected in the 2024 NBA draft. Big shout out to Australia for the talent or the group of talent that they collected in the NBL this season. In this episode, we're going to talk about AJ Johnson, Bobby Clintman, and Ariel Huckporty. We may have a, enough time to get to a few more prospects, but you're going to want to hear our thoughts on these three prospects. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, along with my brother and co-host, my dog, James Barlow. It is Thanksgiving Day. What are you thankful for? Hey, man, I'm thankful for you giving me the opportunity to join your podcast, man. Appreciate it, dog. I, I set him up for that. That's all I wanted to hear. I just wanted him to feel... To, to, I just wanted to be appreciated. No, no, no. I'm I'm thankful for for family. I'm thankful for this opportunity to talk NBA draft. I'm thankful to be able to do what I enjoy and do what I love. I mean, there's so many people in this world that do got do what they got to do. Yeah, they're not doing what they enjoy. And I mean, this is fun to me talking NBA draft, and it's fun to have a podcast with you know a little audience but it's also really fun to be able to do a podcast with my brother i mean this is just like the conversations that we've had for years and now we're just doing it with some mics and and a camera in front of us so i'm really thankful for that and i'm thankful for you the listener thank you for making locked on nba big group podcast your first listen of the day i thank you for each and every everyday listener for the support we are wrapping up 2023, but basketball season is here, and basketball is so global now. I mean, there's leagues that we're covering that have prospects in Europe and the G League and college and in Australia. And so once a month, I want to do a podcast on just the, the prospects in the NBL and giving updates because I just feel like college basketball is back now so that's everything else is going to take like a back seat and there's some really talented players that are I, I i guess off the radar in a sense just because they are so far away in, in yeah. australia and the land down under i hope to get out there this year i want to that's just a long trip what direction do you fly you got to go la Okay. You gotta go LA. And I'm then, like Florida be far somewhere. No, no, if you go the other way. <laughs> but you, you gotta go you gotta go LA and then that's a long trip. I mean it's like if you're going, you gotta go for like at least seven to ten days, man. You can't you can't just be like, I'm gonna go there for a couple of days. I did that and that was that was a huge mistake. To Australia? New Zealand. I wanna go one day. Yeah, I definitely wanna go. All right, let's talk about AJ Johnson. I am not as high on AJ Johnson as quite a few people. There's some people that really, really like him. I get the intrigue. I just know that I am not as high on him as others. He could grow on me. I mean, the, the draft cycle, I would say it's early, but Australia's been at it for a minute. So they have quite a few games under their belt. And maybe the the coaching change is going to change my perception of him. He is now, well, they replaced their coach, and his head coach is. 
Jason Tatum's dad, Justin Tatum. So maybe that could could help him out some, and maybe for me, just just my perception of him. But what are your thoughts on AJ Johnson before I get into mine? I don't want to make sure I'm not tripping. Uh, you're not tripping. Um, he's got what I may have, what I like to call, he might have that permanent potential, man. <laughs> Uh, and I don't mean any disrespect. It's just like a lot of flash, a lot of flash, and then a lot of like, yo, what? So like, he's fun. He's fun, fun to watch. He's how tall is he? Six seven, six eight. Six six six. Six. He looks like he's six eight. He looks yeah. He looks every bit of long, skinny, uh, good athlete. He handles the ball very well. He's crafty. crafty. He's, he's got, got some good, stuff look, to his. He's name. got good pace. Sometimes, um, but he's just so skinny, man. And like his frame is so physically weak. And like we talked about it on the other podcast, Australians is some grown men. It's so a grown man. Any league. little bit of contact, he's way off. Did balance. you Did you see the game against Delhi? It was like it was it was the equivalent of me playing in a league, and I have like a fourth grader that weighs ninety eight pounds guarding <laughs> me. And I mean, it's like he couldn't get to his spots. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't turn the corner. Yeah. If he got by a guy and there was a little bit of contact, it just kind of rerouted him where he couldn't take a, a straight path. Then on defense, they're going right at him. I mean, he is like I. I wonder about the decision for him to go to Australia. I mean, I think that college basketball is getting older, and he, he committed to Texas. The, the Big Twelve is a physical league, I and mean, it's it's an older league. Yeah, I guess Texas is about to go to the SEC, another one of these conference alignment things that's, that's throwing me off. But I think with a guy that is that skinny, I feel like. That's the worst place. It's best for him to play against guys that are similar in age, as opposed yeah. to grown grown men. And you can see that he's just physically not ready, despite yeah. the flashes. And when I I look at what he's done this season, and I look at next year, I'm like, he's going to be in the G League next year. Like I can't see a situation where he gets drafted. And then he goes to a team and he's in their rotation oh, yeah, yeah, as a rookie. So it's like, what what did you gain from going to Australia? He's not even like Brandon Ingram's skinny strong. He's just skinny. Like yeah. any bit of contact. And he's like off the wrong foot. And like he tries. And like I said, uh, but... You know, somebody give him a little bit of contact on the hip, man. That dude is getting rerouted. But I like the flashes. I like, I, I see the long term potential, but I think it's all just going to depend on strength and freedom. Like right now, he's shooting 25% on layups. So that means one out of every four layups. That's all he's making. One out of every four layups. Shooting 33% from the floor, 36% on twos, 27% on three. Seven assists, nine turnovers. So on paper, you're you're not going to be wild at all on paper. But if you watch, like I said, you can see the speed, you can mm-hmm. see the quickness, you can see just the flashes of creativity. I just don't know what to do with that because yeah. I, like I said, I can't see a situation where he goes to a team next year 
and he's in their rotation. I think he's going to be in the G League next year. You know, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. It's not needs, a bad thing. He needs time to just physically develop. Yeah. So that's that's to me that's not a knock. I mean, keep it a bean with you. If he got drafted, like based on what you've seen from him, like that's a win. Now, does he have the the work ethic, the everything else to stick? That remains to be seen. But like I will say, like he does a good job, like cutting off the ball. And again, in training, like he he isn't afraid. He's just physically weak. And now I will say he has the percentages back it up, but he's got some bad bad misses. Like hit the other side of the backboard misses from straight on. If you told me he got drafted this year and whatever, and they were gonna just throw him in the G League, I wouldn't say that was a bad idea for him or a bad outcome for him because like he just needs to get better. He needs to. Physically, like what Lavar say, he got to get his ball body, man, because he doesn't have one right now. Yeah, he got to put some some weight in his pot. I mean, he's lightweight, lightweight. But I don't. I'm, I'm trying to like visualize. Okay, what is he going to be once he gains weight? Once he gets stronger? Because right now it's hard not to see that being like the biggest concern. But once he gets stronger. Then you're like, okay, there's there's some stuff there right. to work with, but I just wonder how long is it going to take him to get to that point? And then what is his natural position? Is he like someone that needs to pattern his game after Jamal Crawford? Or is he someone that needs to, again, not the same height, but you saw what there, but you saw what Jaden McDaniels did. With the he turned himself from a he turned himself into like a, a defender defender and was like you know what this is what I am and then if more offense comes to me great like I don't know so that's, that's a good that's question. fair because I mean but Jaden was obviously bigger but if you would have told taller, me but he was still a bony yeah he was too. still slim but if you would have told me whatever year he came out three four years ago that he was going to put it together but as a defender a premier defender because. When I used to watch his film, I was like, hey, there's only a few guys in the world at that size that move like that and have yeah. this. And it was like Kevin Durant. Not saying I thought he was Kevin Durant, he but just was Kevin Durant, son. that size and ball handling. And I, I'm hoping one day he gets, he's got his money now, but he gets into a situation where there's a team that's like, you know what? We know you can defend now, but we want to unlock you on offense. On, so, on some Jeremy Grant stuff. Yeah, that took a long time. Because you time. told me Jeremy Grant was going to get max money coming out of Syracuse when all he could do was dunk. Back when he was with the Sixers during the process. Yeah, I was like, man, there's no way. But now, you know, he got an offensive package and a couple mm-hmm. Brinks trucks. A couple Brinks trucks. Yeah. All right, when we return, we are going to talk about Bobby Clintman. Bobby Clintman was like the mystery man coming into the 2023 NBA draft. Decided to surprise a lot of people, including myself, decided to take another route and went to Australia. So we are going to get James's thoughts on that. Once again, happy Thanksgiving. And also thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. We are just getting started. All right, second segment. Once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And thank you for listening on Thanksgiving. Well, even if you're not listening on Thanksgiving Day, thank you for listening on Black Friday. Why are you waiting in line for a TV? Y'all tripping, man. I'll never do, ever do a Black Friday. I worked retail before. I 
Man, never. You know what? I, I did, but I think I quit. I think I quit <laughs> the day before. No, because I was in college, and and we were opening a Best Buy. Best Buy. We were opening a Best Buy, and then I was like, the, let's show you how old I am. That was the weekend, like PlayStation 2 came out or something like that. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm not from here. I'm, I'm going home with my family. They're like, if you go home for Thanksgiving... You you just got to be back on Friday. I'm like I'm not traveling on Thanksgiving. I mean I was probably making like eight nine dollars an hour. You, you was tripping just like those people waiting in line with you. So nah, yeah, I never I never did retail. I never made it back. So I'm and sure. I and I and I don't regret it. But anyway, Bobby Clinton, talk about Flash. Talk about Flash. Talk about you look at him and be like okay. Okay, is that what you mean? Yeah, like the flashes are there. Like he didn't have like a like significant role at Wake Forest last year, but his name started buzzing at the end of the year as a guy that teams like. And then I thought that he was going to get drafted because when he shut it down, it was like, okay, he has a promise. And everybody speculated that it was the Indiana Pacers or the Oklahoma City Thunder that shut him down. He surprised people, went to the NBL. And then, this is what kind of throws me off about Clinton. You see the size, 6'10". You see the the flashes of shooting. You see the flashes of passing. Like when he played in, in the in, in FIBAs in Sweden, he was playing a lot of point for. So you saw like the ball handling, the passing. You saw like this talent that had a lot of different skill sets to build upon from athleticism to shooting to passing but there wasn't that one particular thing that you're like all right this is what he does well the skill set that Hank has had on I thought it was a shooting because I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head but I thought he shot the ball well at Wake Forest last year I think it was like 38 percent if I'm not mistaken but yeah he did shoot the ball well I have like a gazillion stats in my head and sometimes I just forget so anyway I was looking forward to seeing Clinton, man. 37%. Right. Yes. 30, I was, was it 37.8? 36.8. 36.8. I, I was off by So anyway, I was really, really looking forward to seeing him in the preseason when his team played two preseason games in the NBA. So I was like, this is the best opportunity to watch a potential first-round prospect in an NBA setting. Talk to him. <sighs> Three for 12 from the floor. One for five from deep against the Raptors. Maybe he got OG that night. Okay. One for 12 and one for seven from three against the juggernaut powerhouse Washington Wizards. So he combined to go four for 24 and two for 12 from three. It's hard for me to... Take that out of my mind. Okay. How bad he looked and how half of his shots were threes in two preseason games. Again, I know it's preseason, but it's hard to take that out of, you know, it's hard to unsee it. So then I'm trying to give him a clean slate and I watch him in the NBL this year and the percentages are significantly better. I mean, they're way better. <laughs> here. A lot better. <laughs> But he's at 47% from the floor, 27% from three. The, the, the scariest number is that he's shooting 18% unguarded. 
You got him at forty percent from the field in the in the NBA. That's that's what I have. I had him at forty. I got him at forty. That's what I said. Oh, you said forty-seven. Forty percent. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was like, yeah, yeah, forty percent. So I'm like, all right, what is the skill set that's going to translate? Because I think the shooting is going to open everything up for him. And unlike AJ Johnson, he has the body. Right. So it's not like a strength, even though, I mean, he's still playing against grown men, but it's not that big of a strength deficit. So in your opinion, why do you think Clintman is struggling, at least with his efficiency? You know... I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I know, but I was getting to it. Um, So for like, when I watch him, and I watch him play, and then when you talk about he struggles with his efficiency, but you see the talent... You see he's a stretch four that can put the ball on the ground for a couple of dribbles. He had a little pullback thing going on for him. Uh, he goes left, gets to the basket sometimes, uh, and he shows some flashes of being like a good passer, but like the efficiency just does not translate. 54% at the rim. Which is crazy. He's got the tools. And like looking at him, he reminds me a lot of Trey Lyles. And Trey Lyles was a lottery pick, right? Trey Lyles was the 12th pick in the draft. Trey Lyles played for Denver, Utah. Sacramento. He found a home in Sacramento as a small ball backup five, but that was his best year shooting the three ball. So it's like, is Bobby, is it Bobby or Bobby? Bobby. Is Bobby Clinton the new Trey Lyles? Where you just kind of like, you see the potential you see the talent, and it just doesn't translate until three, four, five years down the line when you figure out that he's a rotation guy that has value. Is that I can fair see to that. Say? No, I think that's that's very Detroit fair. Miles played for the, I knew he played for everybody plays for Detroit, but he played for Detroit and he had a stint in San Antonio too. So that's what five teams. This is his fifth team, and he's what twenty twenty five, twenty six. He's twenty eight. Nice. Wow. Time. Time flies. Yeah. All right, I want to ask you, how much does his struggles against the Raptors and the Wizards in a preseason setting worry you? They don't worry me because... Okay. Richard Stamen said the same thing. He said he's not worried about it at all. I just can't unsee it. Well, okay. It doesn't worry me because ultimately, like, it's two games... Uh, and it's it's just a different setting. He's not playing with NBA players. He's playing with lesser talented guys against NBA players. And I know their schedule was really, really crazy just because that's a crazy long trip. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they got here to the stage, had a very small window of time to adjust as far as the time zone because that time difference is crazy. Yeah. And when I went, it, it's crazy. But I feel like because it's so far away that it might be the easiest to adjust to. Because when I went, let's just say it was a Monday. No, no, no. Let's say it was a Wednesday. But I was watching Tuesday night NBA basketball at 5 p.m. on Wednesday. So you're really just like a day ahead. Like you're almost like a full day ahead. So again, I'm it's Wednesday, but I'm watching Tuesday night. To me, the it's harder when you're like in Europe, like I was in France. It's a seven hour time difference. So the games are coming on at three, four o'clock yeah. in the morning. So 
But the jet lag is real. The jet lag is definitely real. So maybe that played a part in it. But like I said, it's just hard for me to, to unsee a guy that settled for half of his shots for threes. He wasn't making them. Well, I mean, he's not a, his shot creation, he's got a two-dribble max. So it's like I don't really expect for him to do anything but shoot threes. Like he's to me is a pick and pop four who if he's not making threes – what is he? What is he really going to to add? Because he's not posting up, you know. He's not a grab and go big, even though he shows flashes. He, shows I mean, he, flashes, he did that before. But it's just like everything with him is going to be dictated on if he's making threes. If he's making threes, then that one dribble pull up or that dribble drive game opens up for him. So it's like <laughs> if he's not making threes, yeah, you shoot two fourteen. What else is he going to offer you? Because we finishing. He's not like a great great athlete where. You're not dunking on you. Like, even in, in the NBA, his left-hand drives are, like, tough drives. Yeah. Like, he's 6'10", contorting his body. He's not, like, getting, like, clean, like, dunks or clean layups. He's not blowing by you. So, I mean, I I that part of it against the NBA guys doesn't worry me. Him not being a knockdown shooter would worry me. See, he's, he's a guy that I wish I could take to my Rafael Barlow dream player developmental lab what would you do then all right one we're shooting and making two to three hundred threes a day okay heavy emphasis on the corner what about the top of the key yeah pick and pop something but then in the second half of the day he's playing one on one all day long okay because with his Skill set, his body, his his frame. I'm like, you can be a problem on mismatches. I agree. You could bully smaller guys, and I mean, it's just selfishly me, me wanting more out of him. But I'm telling you, I think with his skill set, because he's, I think he's good enough as a passer. Maybe not decision maker, but good enough as a passer to where if he is able to draw double teams. He'll be able to find guys, mm-hmm. but I, that's that's just my Rafael dream scenario. I mean, I would love for him. I'll be like, look, this is crazy. This is just a thought that's out there. Call Jabari Parker. Hey, Jabari, <laughs> I got this guy. I know you like to hoop. I know you like to play one on one. I want you and him. I want him to just learn from you. And you're probably like, why Jabari Parker? Man, Jabari Parker Jabari. is one of my favorite players. That it didn't work. It out didn't for. work out for him. I mean, he's doing okay in Barcelona, but I'm like, I want him to be able to just create havoc for defenses because he's a mismatch problem. He's strong enough to where even if he's not blown by you, he gets to a spot. But that's just my dream scenario. I, I think he has the body, the frame, and like a good baseline of skills to be more than just so, Trey Lyles. Okay, so you have a pick in the draft. Or, okay, yeah, you have a pick in the draft. Where are you taking him? As of right now? As of right now, saying that he's got permanent potential, potentially. But he's not, he's not that young. He's not like he's 19 years old. I mean, he's had a... A year of school. I mean, I, is he twenty? I think he's twenty. I mean, what will he be on draft day? I he, mean, he's not like incredibly young. He's not like he's in eighteen. No, but old. I'm saying like some, he's a second round pick. He's born in two thousand three, so he's twenty right now. He'll be twenty one on draft night. 
So that's not bad. So he's not. It's not. It's not bad. So you say he's a second round pick, right? Say now. he's a, he's a he's a second round pick. At least for me, right now, with first round talent, if it all. Plays I mean, out. I think in this draft, fifteen through forty five are all guys that could be Man, first round he picks. Be, <laughs> he might be ten through forty five. Depending yeah. on how I feel. All right. When we return, we're going to talk about an old school bruiser that some people think has a chance to. Be an NBA player. I don't know if James agrees with it, but I'm going to get James's opinion. Of course, I'm going to add my own on Ariel Huckporty, a guy whose name has been on draft radars for seems like forever. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. Once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Thank you for listening to us on Thanksgiving or your Black Friday or your Thanksgiving weekend. We appreciate each and every listen, and we are thankful for you that are watching on YouTube or you're downloading and listening to us on your podcast. And I also wanted to tell you about Locked On Sports Today 24-7. That's that's 24 hours, seven days a week. There's Locked On Sports, so you're getting all the local analysis from the Locked On local hosts along with the national shows. The very first of its kind, 24 hours a day, seven days a week sports streaming service. All right, the last player that we want to talk about is Ariel Huckporty, a guy that I feel like has been on the radar for a while. My first time watching him play was 2019 at the under-18s. And I'm just going to give you some of the names that were in this tournament and where they're at in their careers. His teammate was Franz Wagner. Heard of him. So Franz is what, year three? I believe so. This is year three. He's averaging like 18 or 19 points per game. And if I'm, to be honest with you, people a lot of time, at that time, people thought Huck Porty was the better long-term prospect. Al Prince-Shingoon was in that tournament. He's averaging like, what, 20 points, 8 rebounds a game, like 59% from the floor. Third best back to the basket. Alpine Shingun is, is special. Yeah. Um, Santi Aldama from the Memphis Grizzlies was in that tournament. Ushman Gruba, who's now with the Warriors, was in that tournament. I'm forgetting somebody else. I know Adem Bona was in that tournament. It was, it was quite a few really talented players. Oh, Alexis Pokashevsky, that was a tournament that actually put him on the map and got him drafted. So, Huck Porty has been around for a while. And, like, coming into that particular tournament that summer, he was one of the top names. One of the guys that you were like, we got to go see. Um, I think, um, what's the guy's name from Michigan that plays for the Clippers was also in that tournament. On the backup big. That they brought in Daniel Tice for because when when Plumlee got hurt, I can't think of his name. Musa, Musa. Yeah. So anyway, so Huck Porty was one of the top guys, and then his career taking a totally different path. Then he's had some injuries. I know he like tore his Achilles. When you look at him, you see like this old school back to the basket bruiser, but he shows some glimpses of. Footwork and touch game may not be like the most visually pleasing. Like I feel like he's in between as he's not like your great back to the basket score. Like he's not like a Shingoon. He can be like your 
your, your, your dump-off guy, like just a big body that's around the basket that scores on dump-offs. But he's not really like athletic enough to where you can say he is a vertical optic. But he is a big body that shows flashes of touch. He rebounds the ball. He does rebound the ball. And there could be a spot in the NBA for a guy that just goes after rebounds. But then again, we see Tashibwe, who's, who's not an NBA, but he's bigger than Sheboy. So anyway, what are your thoughts on Huck Porty, and do you think he is an NBA player? Let me ask you a question. How many years removed is he from the Achilles injury? Because, you know, that's usually year two. He's only a year removed, if I'm not mistaken. So So he looks good for a guy that's a year removed. Okay, I give him He does look pretty heavy, but he was always a big, you know, he was always a big body. Uh, He's productive. You can see the talent. Like you said, he's stuck in between. Am I going to throw him the ball in the post, or is he a dump-off guy? So, like, uh, we just watched a a play not too long ago. They gave him, he got an offensive rebound and immediately started dream-shaking in the paint and I'm like that's not really going to translate nor is it necessary because it's offensive rebound you don't have time for to yeah. do all that but again he rebounds he's productive I have him at 8 rebounds per game and only 17 minutes per game like you glass cleaner glass cleaner however he's getting you 3 fouls in those 17 minutes so he might be a bit of a hacker as well uh, I think um, he's got good footwork the frame is good. He tries to use both hands. I do remember a play where he was posting up, and I believe he's left-handed, and he hit somebody with a back down. He went to turn over the opposite shoulder, and he still shot it left-handed. I'm like, only Shaq can get away with that. <laughs> um, but it's just like you said, am I going to throw him the ball in the paint in the NBA? Mm, Probably not. No. Maybe post-play will come back. And you will have a big that you will throw the ball to when he gets a switch on a small. See, but here's my theory about that. I don't We don't need to throw you the ball because you're big. Like the golden era of the 90s bigs, like those dudes were all great. I don't want to throw the ball to them. They weren't all great. No, no, no. I'm talking about the when I say those guys, like the Shaq, David Robinson. But, I mean, Patrick they still Ewing. threw the ball into, like, your Rick Smiths. Rick Smiths had a – Rick Smith shot a lot of jumpers. But they but, gave but here's him the my ball. thing. But, yes, they threw the ball to Rick Smiths, but they also threw the ball to Dell Davis. I'm not throwing the ball to Dell Davises, man. Yeah, but if you feed him two possessions – That's too many. <laughs> a half. Nah, for what? Now nah, we're not doing that in 2023. That that era of post basketball does not need to come back to me. Now, I want to see if, if a guy has a mismatch. You throwing the ball? Yeah. Up. I mean, but that's Garuba in the post, bro. No, not him. But I mean, that's why I thought that. That's why I like FIBA play because when we played at the World Cup, if there was an advantage, they threw the ball to whoever, where it was a wing or a post player. And they gave our players buckets because we don't have to defend the post anymore. I mean, I get that. But at the same time, it's like Jaron Jackson showed flashes of he added some of a post game. And he's somebody, let's give him a couple looks in a post a game. He should be able to because he's going to get mismatches from picking and and, because he pops too. What about my guy like Jonas V, who can post up? And that's, I like Joe. If Jonas Valanciunas could play 32 minutes a game, he'd be great. That's, the offense isn't the issue with him. Is that you don't want him defending for more than 30 minutes. Please give Valanciunas the ball. 
But I'm. But just, they don't feed them. I feel like they don't feed them all the time on switches. I mean, he's playing with Zion, man. Zion's occupy, occupying that space now. When one of, when Zion Zion out, don't play. I mean, man, I mean, there's about, more games without Zion. <laughs> But Lord he's Zion played more today. games without Zion than he's played. But with even Zion. then, he doesn't close games because I, I get it. His defense is not. You can't close it. I mean, like LeBron, he played for Toronto when Lewis LeBron took. So like, I get that. But I'm just saying with with uh, with Ariel here is like he's stuck between being an energy guy and do we want to? Is his back to the basket game that nice? Is it good enough for us to be giving him the ball? No, I don't think so. But, like, here's my notes. And these are notes that I have from 21. Left-handed, big interior presence. Shows promising touch around the rim. Strong frame, good size. Flashes some ball handling skills. Most effective on the right block. Sprints the floor in transition. Has some potential as a low post score. Really good rebounder. Attacks the glass. Good shot blocker. I put he's a decent athlete, but not mobile. And then here were my concerns. He looks stiff, tight hips, not really fluid. Talking about them feet, right? Settles for too many jumpers. Like I don't think he's doing that now, but there was a point in his career where he thought he was a floor spacer. He was settling for jumpers. Not an explosive athlete, ugly form when his shot. Hey, my scouting notes, when I read them out, I'm like, I was, was just keeping thinking? it real. Uh, below the rim finisher, not a good rim roller. Prefers to short roll and pop. He's raw, has no right hand. Did I put he has a <laughs> below average athlete? Too heavy. He's terrible when trying to face up and create. Very turnover prone. What is his skill set? So that was two years ago. I feel like he's honed it down some. He's not trying as much to showcase that he can shoot the ball. In space, and he's not trying to like handle the ball and, and and beat guys off the dribble. So I feel like Australia has done a good job of toning it down some and basically saying, "Hey, keep the main thing the main thing. If you're gonna make it to the highest level, you're going to have to rebound, block shots, and just be a big interior presence." So with all that being said, do you, James Barlow, That's think? Me. That is enough to get him drafted in a wide open draft. And then visualize how would he look in college. Oh, he would be great in college because they want to throw you the ball in the post in college. And they believe in playing through bigs. Like, he'd be great in college because you just, I mean, you don't have to defend in space. Right? You can clog the paint and then... The shooting is bad, so there's, that's more available rebounds. Like, the talent level, like, college would be great for him. In the NBA, like you said, he's going to have to hang his hat on rebounding. But is there room for a Reggie Evans type in 2023, 2024? I don't know. I can't even think of a guy that's on an NBA roster who I can say, All right, this is who Ariel Huckporty should play like and he can have a similar role i can't think of one that's what i'm trying to figure out because again if he was a better athlete i'd be like oh no doubt for sure but if you're an average athlete could he be a bigger rashawn holmes rashawn holmes got touch in the paint yeah like he shows flashes of touch but he doesn't have rashawn rashawn holmes at one point had a top five floater in the nba yeah now i haven't even seen him get a minute for the mass maybe he has but i haven't seen him yeah, I can't. I can't think of an, another big that has a similar 
skill set, size, and frame in the NBA right now? If there is one, let me know. Let me know. Let us know. Comment on YouTube or shoot me a message on Twitter. If you think that Ariel Huckporty is an NBA player, if so, what role do you see him playing and who is similar? Well, that wraps up this episode, this holiday episode. Once again, thank you for making Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Thank you for listening on Thanksgiving weekend. This is Rafael Barlow with my brother James, and we are out. No Black Friday shopping. Man, please. Sleeping.